WHYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, everyone. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. And uh, this week on the podcast, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the hot stove. It's November, which means really all we're going to do is speculate on rumors being fed to national reporters by players and their uh, their uh, their representatives and by front office officials. Nevertheless, it's a good time. So we're going to talk about the trade market a little bit. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Shohei Otani. We'll talk a little bit about some off-season predictions that we're going to have uh, coming up. And I asked uh, some of our uh, Twitter followers, Twitter listeners, uh, for predictions they had, and we can kind of react to some of them as well. So that's what we got going on, a hot stove edition of Hit and Season. Joining me are my good friends Justin Clue, Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Liz Rocher, follow her on X at Liz Rocher. Liz, what's going on? Please don't call it that. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is now. It's, uh, but that's, I've no. kind of gotten out of the habit of, of making that part of my intro just because I'm like, ah, nobody, nobody's going to start following me on Twitter or X or whatever as we're calling it because I mentioned it at the top of the show. I used to do that and it just kind of became habit. Now it's, I think it's kind of dumb. <laughs> well, you can find me at Liz R O S C H E R on Twitter slash yes. X. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, I mostly just complain now. <laughs> That's really all anybody does on X. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That's that's what the platform is really kind of devolved into. Um, I don't know. Are you, are you on Threads, Liz? Did you ever try out Threads? No, no, yeah. no. I uh, I don't use Facebook anymore, and so I I, uh, I begrudgingly use Instagram. So I think Threads is a no for me. Yeah. Well, you need to use Instagram in order to use Threads really for it to work. Or I mean, it's, you don't have to, but it's 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 kind of helpful. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit messy. Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus also joining us. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Do you use Threads, Justin? Are you a Threads guy? No, I after the playoffs, I kind of really cut down on Twitter uh, yeah. in general, and uh, I really haven't. I have a Blue Sky account. I oh, me too. Yeah, it. I forget about it all the time. I don't you know shouldn't. about Blue Sky. I oh, I'll give Blue you Sky. an invite. I've got right. five, actually four, not counting John. If you would like a Blue Sky invite, please at me at Liz Rocher on Twitter so I can help you get to the other place. <laughs> all right, I'll try Blue Sky. I don't know anything about it, so it's just like Twitter, only quieter and smaller, uh, yet somehow just as unhinged. See, Social talked... media—it's a cool yeah. thing to do. It's right. <laughs> it's so funny. Like so many people, everyone hates social media, mm-hmm. and everyone has six social media accounts. I mean, really some just... of us just have to. We and we do. Yeah, Liz and I—I I know for our work, we we really need to be on it. And that's where the tweet deck. Really, like, if all I had was was Twitter without the tweet deck, I would have left Twitter a long time ago. But I love the tweet deck. I kind of need it. Or like, maybe they call it X Pro now or whatever. If if Threads ever gets something like that, or or Blue Sky, if you're going to send me, if they ever get something like that, then I'll I'll be more than happy to make the switch. But um, until somebody gets that, that's still been the best thing as as far as I'm concerned. It's just unfortunate that what you get on on tweet deck is tweets from angry people <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> kind of the problem we need to fix that part of it you too know what the but... problem with social media is the other people involved yes. <laughs> in it if it was just me alone you know that would be fantastic but instead there's all these interactions you gotta yeah. have i'm i'm I call me old school but i prefer my social media to be a blank word document that i open up in a room by myself and just type my thoughts into <laughs> Also known as a journal or diary. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> that I print it out and I fold it into a paper airplane and I throw it at people out the window. Make copies and just hang it up around the neighborhood so other people can hear your thoughts. Tape them yeah. to storefront windows, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Along would... with 
along with little tabs for free guitar lessons, you know? I thought you were going to say, Justin, I actually tear it up and swallow it, just like the criminal in Red Dragon does with that William Blake painting. Oh, These are yeah, my that's... private thoughts. They're meant for my use only. As soon as they're as soon as they're out of me, I put them back in me. It's a constant Other... cycle. It's the purging and then the reacquisition. It's just it's something that you need to, to do. Otherwise, how can I keep them? How can I keep the thoughts? Some of them get away, and I'm like, no, no, no. That's that's where we all come to these. We all come to this place from from different places. And, uh, baseball. Yeah, let's talk some baseball here. Um, so really, no news of note regarding the Phillies as of right now. Um, you guys uh, wrapped up uh, the GM meetings quite well in the fact that a massive stomach virus ripped through the hotel and ended those things early. But not a whole lot happens at the GM meetings other than everybody just kind of getting together and uh, sharing viral loads with each yeah, other. Yeah, eating the same food from the same <laughs> plate, you know, on canapes, sharing drinks, I'm sure, yeah. sneezing and coughing right next to each other. Sounds great to me, um, mm. and you know it's 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 terrific that uh, we got some conversations started. Now, now we start the the silly season, the rumor season, and and I will admit this is one of those times a year where I get sucked into every John Morosi tweet and every Buster Olney tweet, and you should heaven, do, pal. Heaven help me, even Bob Nightingale. <laughs> no, my God, you've just named you named Bob Nightingale, who's never right, and John Morosi, who spends more time writing about like youth hockey now or yeah, something. Yeah, I know he's a Detroit. <laughs> hockey guy i i, oh, I get man. it i mean jim, right? jim salisbury left us so i don't know where to turn anymore God, for, right. for real content these you know? are the people with the with the info at least with the rumors you know these yeah. are the people giving us the things we talk about and you know we can we can laugh and i do i laugh at them. i mean Barossi's just a goof nightingale has his reputation only has his reputation you know mm. like they're all they're all like that but they're the ones feeding us the rumors that are keeping us alive so yeah, they're this... all deciding who and what we're going to be talking about slash angry at all day. Right, exactly. they decide which player's agent they want to make happy that day for whatever <laughs> strategic reason they have to do that. Yep, and so let's run them down. Um... <laughs> <laughs> let's dive right in, folks. Let's dive right we're in. We're part of a machine. <laughs> That's right. Um, John Rossi on X uh, sent a little note out today. Sources, <laughs> Braves and Cardinals. I'm doing it. Among the yes, teams showing a little note, he walked by your your window and just slipped a note in. Like, he just tried. It was on a yeah. It was on a little post end, just right through the window. It was really neat. Uh, Braves and Cardinals among the teams showing early interest in free agent right-handed pitcher Aaron Nola. Now I will say, I think the Phillies showed the earliest interest back in the spring for signing Aaron Nola. Um, but uh, as of now, it sounds as though Braves and Cardinals, according to Morosi, showing early interest in free agent right-handed pitcher Aaron Nola. And I got to say, you know, this is probably some some stuff coming from Nola's camp. I think uh, last week when uh, Bob Nightingale was uh, was just breathlessly screaming into the void that the Phillies were really looking at Blake Snell, likely target for Blake Snell. That was probably the Phillies way of sending Aaron Nola's camp a message that we've got options, you know, and I uh, was it John Rossi who was floating out the Sonny Gray information uh, a few days ago. I don't remember exactly who that was. I'm sorry. You're not going to get credit first for it, for, for this particular <laughs> rumor, but I mean, 
these the, these are the battles that we see being played through the national writers, both from I think the Phillies camp and from Aaron Nola's camp. And this is this is the way it is with every free agent who's out there and every team that's out there. If you see somebody talking about a team is interested in these players, and then um, you say this one particular player is getting interest from these teams, you can basically tell how the narrative of all this is going, how these different folks are are weaving stuff through the media. That being said, the idea of Aaron Nola on the Braves is awful. And then we get to talk about, yeah, we get to, we get to have that in our brains now for the next little while. Yeah, Or the Cardinals also bad. I mean, look, we got to be preparing yourself for this eventual connection. This was always going to be a link of some kind. The Braves are in need of starting pitching. Aaron Nola is a starting pitcher. He's considered one of the top tier starting pitchers on the free agent market. They were they were always going to be connected to him this winter. Yeah, it would, it would suck if he went to the Braves, but if the Braves think they're an Aaron Nola away from finally beating the Phillies in the postseason, <laughs> they're they're probably not. No. Yeah. Well, it o- Aaron Nola, it only works if Aaron Nola is pitching against the Braves. I'm not so sure that it's going <laughs> to work the other way around. And I will say this about about I I one of my predictions that we'll talk about in a little while. I do think I do think the Phillies will end up re-signing Aaron Nola. I, at the end of the day, I I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any inside information on that. So if people are wondering, no, I don't have any inside information on that whatsoever. Just a gut feeling. I think the Phillies recognize how much they need him, and the alternatives out there probably aren't as good as what you'd get for Aaron Nola. And there's all the familiarity. I think he probably wants to come back. He doesn't seem like a guy. I think you guys talked about this. He doesn't seem like a guy who would be overly enthusiastic about totally up uprooting his life and and moving to another city. But who knows? Atlanta might be closer to you know his 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 ancestral roots, and so that could be um, you know. And certainly the Braves are a World Series contender, so certainly you're you're not losing anything by going to Atlanta. St. Louis would be interesting. I don't I don't think the St. Louis could outbid the Phillies or the Braves, but who knows what St. Louis will do. But it's just it's so funny thinking about where we were even at the begin even at the really middle end of August, people didn't want Aaron Nola back. Hello. And now the hand wringing <laughs> yeah. now is just it's the yeah. 180 that everyone seemed now that the realization has crept in like Oh, he he could go somewhere else. It seems like, now nobody wants that possibility. Yeah, I was expecting them to get him back so that we could complain about him by now. Now I'm worried he won't come back at all. I mean, what what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, people should be rooting for him to go to the Braves, Liz. Rooting <laughs> yeah. for it. Someone uh, when I I tweeted this morning when um uh, I think Ken Rosenthal. Uh, it was the Ken Rosenthal article that linked the Braves and Nola mm. this morning. I tweeted, I genuinely don't know what would happen, which is like, I don't know. I mean, people would be sad or happy or confused or very upset. Uh, someone, uh, Drew in Philly, at Drew in Philly on Twitter, I'm not saying it, um, said to me, and I think this is a little misguided, worlds would collide, you will feel conflicted when Nola pitches against the Phillies, hard to root for one team and one player on the other team. This man is mistaken. <laughs> if <laughs> if an Aaron Nola goes to the Braves, I am no longer an Aaron Nola fan. Does that make yeah. sense? Am I being too extreme? Like, I wouldn't hate him, but I'm not rooting for him under any circumstances. No, I don't, well... No. Even if my favorite player came back with another team, like I, I'm, I'm, I want him. I guess I want him to do well. But a, I'm thinking about him a lot less because I'm not watching him play as a member of the Phillies anymore every night. And 
when they play the Phillies, I definitely want them to lose. So yeah, I don't know. I, this, this is that's not that hard for me to figure. No, out. well, Chase Utley is a, is the probably the the most extreme that. example. I mean, like when he first came back and hit that grand slam during a season when the Phillies were playing for nothing, and and the, they were kind of a dead end team, and you just you know you, you knew that they were gonna you know not go anywhere. Okay, you wanted to see Chase Utley do something special in his return to Philadelphia, and he did, and he got a standing ovation for all that, and that was great because I was in the moment. That was one moment in time. After that, nobody's rooting for Chase Utley to get four hits against the Phillies in a game. Like that, just that—that's not something that happens when a player leaves. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear because the two teams they wear different uniforms, and you can yeah. usually pretty easily tell which one is the team you're rooting for. And if he's not wearing that uniform. Yeah, you're, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, that's about right. Like, I appreciate the sentiment there from Drew, but uh, yeah, I, I just, he, I, I like Aradola just fine, but he's not a player I'm going to be like, oh, he's back sobbing. No, I'll be like, all right, welcome. Let's get ready for you to lose immediately. <laughs> I, think, be, I think I'll yeah. be, I think I'll feel a sense of, of relief uh, should they do that. Because honestly, John, coming into this, I, I have been just, I realized after you said you expect them to bring him back. Maybe it's just because the Hoskins news broke and, and he's on his way out. Oh. Uh, and I had been thinking they would work something out there, which now feels ridiculous. But I was already thinking about like, okay, like these are the guys who are available. Who do they replace him with? I don't know why I had already mm-hmm. checked that box that he was out the door. Um, and I do think, you know, looking at the li- the names of people available, and I know we're going to talk about it, but in doing that like exercise, you were you do come to the conclusion of like, boy, I'd rather have Aaron Nola than any of these guys, and yeah. not even necessarily because he like, you know, has a distinct is significantly like worlds better than any of them, but just because he is at least as good as as most of these guys, and uh, has you know, and he's already he's already here, like you said, like the connections are made the roots have been laid down. Like this is, uh, we know what to expect from him. And I think, you know, he's still at a point in his career where that's what you can expect from him as frustrating as it is sometimes. Yeah. And I think Aaron Nola is still looking for a $200 million contract. And I don't think he's going to find one. I I think he's going to probably be somewhere in the range of like, uh, you know, six years, 108. What did I have down on my list here? Six years, 170 million. That's like 28 million a year. I think that's about what he's probably looking at. I think, and I think that's a number that the Phillies would reasonably do. But I thought Destiny Legardo from Phillies Nation did a, had a real good article out today on why all this Blake Snell uh, conversation doesn't make any sense for the Phillies and for some of these other guys too, is that the, the Phillies really value, especially in their top two starters, guys who can give them innings, guys who can go deep into games. And and Blake Snell is not one of those guys. Now, Blake Snell did go at least six innings in like 20 of his 32 starts last year. So it's not like he was a five-inning guy. But, you know, the Phillies really value guys during the regular season that can give you seven innings, can even pitch into the eighth inning every once in a while. Now, in the playoffs, it's a whole different story. The second, you know, a guy starts to lose it or, the, you know, you get a guy a third time through the order, anytime there's a little bit of a crack there, you're, you're, you're going and you're getting that guy. But when you're talking about during a 162-game regular season, you don't want to wear out your bullpen. You, you need to have those guys that can give you some length. And Aaron Nola is, has always been one of those guys. And we can't predict the future. So I have no idea if, the wear and, if there is wear and tear on Nola's arm. There doesn't seem to be so far. Um, but Blake Snell, so many, so many of his numbers last year were kind of fluky. Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna be as productive with runners in scoring position 
moving forward as he was this year. It was an anomaly how dominant he was preventing runners in scoring position and runners on, on base from coming in to score. Jordan Montgomery, nice pitcher, doesn't have the doesn't have the pedigree that, that Aaron Nola does, although of all the different guys, Jordan Montgomery might intrigue me the most because he has been good for like the last three seasons, if you look at his numbers. And Sonny Gray, if he wasn't if he wasn't 34, if Sonny Gray was Aaron Nola's age, I'd say yeah, maybe take a shot on that guy. But he's, again, like a 170, 180 inning guy, and he's missed a bunch of time over these last few years. So you just, when you put them all together, if you're looking strictly at the free agent market, Aaron Nola looks really good. Looking at the trade market, I know you guys have kind of talked about this in, in different podcasts as well, but you know, you look, there are some guys in the trade market who could potentially be out there. Corbin Burns, I think, is the guy that we all are thinking most about. But, you know, I don't, that that requires a lot of trade capital, and it's going to cost you money. So maybe Dombrowski goes that route if if they really don't like any of the free agents. The simplest thing, and probably the most effective thing, is just to bring Aaronola back. But that's easier said than done. Like if if some team is willing to go 190, 200 million dollars, the Phillies probably don't do that, and they and they look somewhere else. So I don't the- know who would do that. I don't know what team would. I don't see like the Cardinals or the Braves no. forking over that much money for Aaron Nola. Me either. Yeah. And only even said that he what he is expected to get on the market or what's been said that he's expected to get on the market is not he, he thinks it's gonna be lower. Like like you're saying, John. So like that's been confirmed by MLB insiders or, mm. or at least mentioned by them that yeah like that the money that he originally wanted just isn't isn't available to him out there and i you know that's to be expected i think and yeah. uh yeah i mean like you said all these uh, all these other options are just they're, they start to feel kind of needless when you start listing all the cons of of these main guys who are available of who the phillies could potentially pivot to if they lose out on nola yeah you just find yourself like don't get me wrong like there's they're they're good pitchers but they're also just like enough cons to be like oh why are we even doing this like what why do we have to do this exercise we can just click yes resign and (laughs) and i'll say this too aaron nola the last start he made game six leaves a bad taste in your mouth uh, of the nlcs but I, i will also say if the offense does anything in that game like it aaron nola had three great playoff games it was like last year in the play he went on a great playoff run there are other really good pitchers who had a game in the playoffs where they really struggled. I mean, Zach Galen had a couple of games in the playoffs where he where he really struggled, and, and nobody's nobody in Arizona, I don't think, is as is tr- is trying to figure out, you know, why well, can we can we upgrade from Zach Galen? No, you probably can't upgrade from Zach Galen. He's your guy. who's going to have a bad game every once in a while. Not everybody can be Zach Wheeler in the postseason. Um, it's just kind of it's just kind of the way it goes. Now, of course, Aaron Nola during a regular season has to be better than he was in 2023 but we've seen him alternate good years bad years and we know the history with Aaron Nolas we don't need to talk about that a whole lot more uh I did want to mention one other uh rumor that came down on MLB Network uh, about an hour ago and this was again John Morosi this has flashed through on my tweet deck which is again why I use it um John Morosi mentions the Rangers and the Philadelphia Phillies as strong candidates to sign Josh Hader in free agency um I, I'm now trying to remember who oh it was a um I forget, it was an SI article, I think, today, um, but also talking about why Josh Hader doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Phillies when you hear these different kinds of rumors, and that is Josh Hader is a ninth-inning-only guy. He pitches one inning, and it's the ninth inning. He has bristled against 
managers asking him to pitch more than one inning, to pitch the eighth inning as opposed to the ninth inning, if the heart of the lineup's coming up in the eighth inning as opposed to the ninth inning. We know Rob Thompson likes to use his closers interchangeably. He has more than one, so he has two or three or even four guys that he ideally would like to use in these different spots and will mix and match, and and depending on lefty, righty, and all that kind of stuff. And you think this Josh Hader... I don't know whether he refused to come in in Game 5 of the NLCS in the Bryce Harper Bedlam at the Bank game, but we were all wondering why the heck are they not bringing Josh Hader in to face Bryce Harper? That's bottom of the eighth. Josh Hader has apparently, on occasion, said, I'm not pitching unless it's the ninth inning, or I'm the closer. I pitched the ninth (laughs) inning. Get him out of here. Oh, I did did not know that. that. Oh, my gosh. That's not going to play. No, anywhere. I had, I had again, that's somebody else who, I, I think you could make a list of arguments as to why everybody who gets linked to the Phillies w- doesn't make any sense. I think those can be valid arguments too, but I think you can make them for just about anybody because nobody's a perfect fit. Um, I didn't, I didn't have this in my profile of Josh Hader. This is a, this is a big knock because like you said, even just bullpen usage and management, but also just attitude wise. Yeah, that's. That's not going to work. But I looked at Josh Hader and was like, yeah, Hader is Dombrowski's type as far oh, as yeah. relievers go. He's proven and he's available for money. Like, that is who he <laughs> likes to go after. Yeah. He traded He traded for Gregory Soto. Was like, yeah, I feel like there's just like a certain demographic, certain age bracket, certain, not age, experience bracket that Dombrowski likes to play in, especially with relievers. And this year, that's Josh Hader. So that I assumed that was why he's been linked to the Phillies from day one, I think. And by linked, I mean mentioned as a good fit uh, for the Phillies. And that's, yeah, that, that that's what was making sense to me about this. But if he's like, no, I refuse to come into this game. Yeah, this town sat through a Ben Simmons saga no, and I'm, still let me, breaks let me, me let me say this. furious. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a hundred, like, I'm trying to find this article. I, I'm I'm not saying, like, the, the article didn't say that he, on in Game 5, refused to come in. I'm, it would be I'm funnier kind of spe- if that if that was the case, but even if he is just a guy who only comes in in the ninth inning and that's just how he operates, then yeah, I think that is, that's something, that's a con. That's a big con as far as, like, signing yeah. a guy especially given how the Phillies have managed that part of the game from the bullpen. Uh, I found the article. There are several of them. Uh, I, I get the idea that Bob Melvin maybe was not the strongest manager because I can't imagine Rob Thompson or any of the bullpen, you know, the bullpen coach, anyone hearing, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing that, and sitting down and not going out to the bullpen and throttling him to death. Yeah, there's just uh, no way. There's no way that happens. No, and, and it just it cost it may, it may have cost the Padres a shot to go to this World Series. You know what I mean? So uh, it, there would have to be a real, you know, a, a real conversation between. The Phillies front office and Josh Hader say, "Listen, we we love your stuff, and you know we we obviously could use a true closer at the back of the at the back of the bullpen, so we don't have another game four of, of the NLCS. You know, and 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 we will use you as our closer when we can. Um, but if we need you in the eighth inning, because you know we're facing you know uh, three left-handers in in four in four batters that's where we're using you and you got to be on board with that and we're going to pay you all the money in the world right now so that it doesn't matter how many saves you accumulate 
you're just you if you want to win a World Series and you want to be here in Philadelphia, that's how we do things. And if he says, you know, nah, man, I'm good, um, then you know, then fine. But you know, it's <laughs> that that's that's the issue with Josh Hader. You'd love the stuff, you'd love him to you know to 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 be able to do that, but. Um, yeah, it's if that's going to be the case, you can't you can't you can't sign him. You can't go out and sign that guy. Anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, I thought that just uh, look at the trade market now because um, MLB.com listed the top player who could be available in trades at each of the different positions. Uh, I want to look at specifically the the outfielder spot right now. Uh, and they had three names on the list, and just wanted to run them by you uh, and see what you guys thought. Uh, Juan Soto obviously is a, a guy who I think is going to be traded this offseason. I, I think he I, San Diego doesn't seem like they want to sign him to a long-term extension or that they can't sign him to a long-term extension. MLB.com says the buzz factor on Soto is high. They say it's highly unlikely he'll sign an extension with the Padres. So the San Diego, San Diego could opt to move him this offseason for prospects. So <laughs> what a crazy situation that <laughs> San Diego has become yeah. like that's, that's nuts. They went from being the hot new pick, the can't miss playoff pick and then they traded for Juan Soto when they already had a team full of all-stars. And now we're talking about, how many years ago was that? Like two years? Yep. Now we're, now we're talking about them trading him for prospects. I mean, the great news is, according to the uh, baseball trade simulator technology that the internet provides us, I can tell you that the Phillies could trade Mick Abel and uh, <laughs> outfield prospect Carlos De La Cruz for Juan Soto, and that would be a fair trade. So... I don't know what they're waiting for. Get on the phone. Mm-hmm. I personally think they're going to end up waiting till midseason. I don't see why would they. Why would they do it now? He didn't I don't have. Know, cause they're, cause Couldn't they're you get more apart. for him now? Because <laughs> they're spiraling. Didn't they take a fifty million dollar loan out just to cover expenses? Yeah. Yeah, and they need. They. I don't know if they've hired a new manager. They certainly need one. They might have hired one. I have no idea who he is. Um. But yeah, it is nuts. I, I just don't see why they would do it now because he didn't have the the most, you know, door-busting season. He was kind of mediocre. And, like, as uh, Phillies fans have adv- long advocated for trading players when they are at their worst, that is really not how it works in baseball. So, I mean, I feel like they'd probably wait until – they see how their season's going, how they see how he's doing. Because if he, if he's back in shape, then all bets are off. They'll keep no, him, it's... you know, and they they'll keep him as long as they can. And if they're good at midseason, and they think they're going to make the playoffs, there's no reason not to keep him because that could lead to an extension that's team like a a more team friendly extension if they end up going far in the playoffs. I mean, Soto had a monster season last year. He got off to a little bit of a slow start and, he did. and really came and really came on. He had an OPS over 900 uh, last season. Um, oh, I must be just remembering how I was at the break because I stopped paying attention to the Padres entirely. When he first yeah, no. got out to San Diego, he, he he that first season he was definitely putting up pedestrian numbers. That might be what you're thinking. Juan of. Soto last year hit. Uh, t- 275, 410 on base, 519 slugging, 930 OPS, 35 homers, 109 RBIs, a league high 132 walks. Played every game for the Padres, 100, all 162 games for San Diego. Yeah, I'm remembering his 2022. He was a bit better this. He was considerably better this season, not quite to his uh, his his uh, his like rookie of the year 
you know, his 2020 season, which was nuts. That was also like 60 games, but certainly not the slam dunk the Padres thought they were getting when they made that trade. And to your point, Liz, like, why would they do this now? Exactly. I mean, you could you could ask that when they were acquiring him too. Like, that's what I mean. Like, they are just a chaotic mess where the, like sirens are going off at this point, <laughs> papers are flying. Like, it's it's just it's backstage nuts. at the Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I well, mean, I, I think, I'm fascinated to see what happens with them this season. They're they're going to be a team that I'm going to watch until they get too boring or bad to tolerate. <laughs> do you? So, do you think there is a chance? Well, let me put it say. So, Liz, you don't think it's going to happen this offseason. You think it's going to be uh, a trade deadline situation? Somebody will rent Ron's Juan Soto. I mean, I think they can get more for him now. But I agree with you. They probably still think that they are a contender. Now, they're losing Blake Snell. We'll see. I mean, I don't know if they would get somebody to replace Blake Snell at the top of the rotation. They still have you Darvish. They still have some other good arms. But, um, yeah, I mean, they still – I don't think they – I mean, they just signed Xander Bogarts to a huge deal. They probably wouldn't mind giving that lineup one more t- one more time through to see if it's going to see if it's gonna play out. So, I, from that perspective, I, I hear what you're saying. But it sounds yeah. as though – it sounds though he could go. And, it, and so, you know, if – do the Phillies get in the mix there? Because, I mean, you talk about a, a, a perfect fit for this team i've seen you know a lot of the twitter folks come at me with he's a clubhouse cancer don't bring him in there's no there's no proof that he there's no evidence that no there's been no evidence that he has anything that he he had any part of any kind of clubhouse issues and that he was the reason san diego underperformed this year none whatsoever but people want to jump to that conclusion and i just don't understand it it's because he's latino I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. People love to assume that Latino players are routinely the club, you know, the clubhouse cancer. It's either they either blame Latinos or the guy with the DV, you know, accusations. And usually one of those is right. And the other one is just racist. Yeah, I mean, I can't. There seems to be no other reason that I, that I can point to because, and I, I asked, I think I asked Kevin Nagandi when I had him on mid season, I was like, have you, you know, if anybody's going to be dialed in, it's going to be somebody who's a sports anchor, uh, ESPN sports center anchor. Like, did you hear anything? Have you heard anything about Juan Soto and being a clubhouse, a problem in the clubhouse and that that's something he's like, no, there's been no, there's been nothing like that. And this was in mid season, right? When all this stuff was going on and the Juan Soto trade rumors were, uh, were, were, were kicking on. So, I you know I think I think there's a good chance he'll get dealt here in the wintertime. Do I think the Phillies will be a prime team that that would be involved? Probably not. Um, I just don't know what it would cost anymore, and whether or not the Phillies would want him to sign or g- agree to some kind of an extension before they agreed to a deal, or at least had a conversation with him to say we want to sign you long term. Here's what we're thinking, and his camp says, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, something like that. But. Um, I don't know. Is there, what are the, you know, it's like, is it any higher than 5% chance the Phillies would pull off a trade for Juan Soto? Is that too high? That sounds uh, about right. Yeah, I'm not putting it over five, I would mm-hmm. say. You know, I, I, yeah. I do like to credit this team now and their new attitude for not doing the obvious thing all the time. Um, they have managed to catch us off guard and go a little over the top on occasion. And that is always, you know, welcome. But in um, like Juan Soto or Shohei Otani, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. That's just not where the Phillies are at right now. They're not looking to add this giant 
pillar in the middle of their offense. The Phillies have that already. And he wants to add more years to his deal here. So that's not like the kind of player they're after right now. And it's crazy to say because you're like, oh, so you're saying you don't want the best baseball player on the planet. Oh, you don't want Juan Soto on your team. No, I mean, obviously that would be a welcome addition too, but it's not like he just hops off the train and comes and joins the Phillies. Like they have to obviously give something up for him. And, you know, baseball America just ranked the Phillies third out of the five NL East teams, as far as farm systems go. And that's kind of like where they've lived. They, they get ranked like an all, all across baseball. Like they've kind of sunken down from like mid middle of the pack down into the twenties. And uh, like a third in the NL East honestly feels like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice. They got two stars, whereas the Mets and Nats got three and the Marlins and Braves got one. Um, but my point being, do they have a lot to play with as far as trading for a player of Juan Soto's caliber? And, you know, not certainly not at the top level. You know, they're, they're supposed to have a lot of more talent like down near the bottom. Do they want to just start mortgaging that and bringing in guys like Soto to, to win now? Because they're definitely in win now mode. Yeah, I mean... I could see it. That's what's what Dave Dombrowski's doing here to make deals like that. But at the same time, this is so high profile and it would be so central and, and franchise altering in a lot of ways yeah. that it's just not a move the Phillies would, would make right now. I like that they're not afraid to spend and they're not afraid to make deals when they when they identify deals that would really benefit them. But I, I just I don't think I think these are just two these these are moves a different team makes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's. I, I think you know the more likely moves are certainly smaller moves in terms of the in, in terms of the lineup. And I'm gonna you know mention a couple people in a second. A couple other guys. The article mentioned uh, Anthony Santander of Baltimore. Uh, the buzz factor for him medium. Uh, looks Baltimore figures to invest in pitching this off season. Uh, they also have a bunch of uh, outfield prospects that they'd like to start to get uh, up to the majors and, and may have a little bit more upside than Santander. Uh, but he's averaged 30 homers, 92 RBIs, a 785 OPS since the start of last year. Uh, and you have Alex Verdugo, who they're a little bit less thinking, is, you know, the buzz factor is a little bit lower on him. Uh, he's not much of an offensive force, was worth two and a half wins last year above replacement, uh, but only has a 751 OPS over the last three seasons. It's slightly above league average, uh, 12 homers per season, 64 RBIs, but he's a low strikeout guy. He's a very good defender in the outfield, so he brings you a glove. Uh, I believe he's left handed so you could even maybe platoon him uh with uh with christian pache or johan rojas depending on how the phillies move forward with their young left fielder slash center fielder type guys uh next year but either one of those guys uh move the needle for you liz um i'm a little intrigued with santander but not not really enough i guess that's that's where i am kind of I can't think of any better, you know, any better reasons to be interested in them than they're, you know, they're there and available, but I don't get particularly excited. So a couple of years ago, the Phillies signed Kyle Schwarber, then surprised everybody signing Castellanos. And last year, everybody knew they were going to sign Trey Turner, but, you know, it's still very exciting that they signed Trey Turner. Do you think we're kind of suffering from none of the moves the Phillies are going to make excite us? And it's tough to think about them from a purely logistical standpoint because that's not the kind of off seasons the Phillies have really had lately. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's kind of where we're at as far as like this left field situation. Because you're right, John. I mean, they're going to come into spring training and see what Rojas can do with his bat and see what Christian Pache brought. But 
there's got to be, it just feels like there's going to be another move made here to bring in somebody who can potentially fill that role too. And I like Santander, but how many guys like Santander do you want to put in the same lineup? When when the Castellanos trade rumor popped up for like that crazy 48 hours, uh, I mean, John, I feel like we had a conversation about how, look, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to start thinking about how to balance out a lot of these free-swinging, home-run mashing mm-hmm. guys in your lineup because we've seen what the downfall of a lineup like that can be. So bringing in guys who aren't necessarily like have a different, more disciplined approach might be, you know, might, might go a long way as far as balance goes. I mean, the guy, the, the one of them who was the best at extending his at bats doesn't have a job here anymore. So yeah. balance might be, you know, to, to this team's benefit. But at the same time, I feel like every guy I look at who, you know, these teeth tier three, tier four free agents that the Phillies are probably playing in, um, Every time I read one of their profiles, I'm like, yep, I feel like we already have this guy. I feel like he is already on the team. Uh, sure. do, is another guy like that going to benefit the team? And, you know, he's not going to be playing a very central role, whoever he is. So maybe it doesn't matter as much if he fits the same kind of slugging, mashing, power profile, you know, maybe average defense. It doesn't really matter if, if he's not too far of a departure from what the Phillies already have. Because, I don't know, there's, there's just, it seems like there's just a lot of those guys out there. Yeah, and I think you know there's there's gonna I think the Phillies are gonna land probably one of those tier four tier five guys. You know, I I I'll give you. I mean, I think um, the name that makes the most sense to me is somebody like Jock Peterson, who will be 32 next year. Uh, played in San Francisco the last couple of years, had a big season for them in in 2022, and he made the All Star team with an 874 OPS. OPS was down to around 764, which is not far from where it had been uh, previous to that. But of course, remember Jock Peterson uh, when he was with the Braves in 2021, really got hot and helped them go on that World Series run that they went on a couple of years ago. But he'd be a guy who would be like, he'd be your Jake Cave replacement, essentially. But I think he's a higher-end Jake Cave. And that's that's the kind of move I think Dave Dombrowski needs to make in the outfield. Like, I see left field as being a platoon situation. You know, I, I think that's kind of what they're looking at. I think they I think they liked the athleticism that Christian Pache and Johan Rojas brought them in the outfield. And so... Do I think either one of those guys can be an everyday starter right now? Probably not. I mean, I think Rojas is going to start in AAA. I think that makes sense. Let him play every day. Let him get a little bit stronger with the bat because we know the glove already conveys. But Christian Pache against left-handers was very good last year. Uh, he performed well in the playoffs in those two starts he got against uh, against uh, the Marlins in, in left field, uh, hitting against uh, left-handed pitchers, made some good plays in, in left field. Um if you can kind of, if you platoon him with Jock Peterson, and maybe it's not a straight up platoon because Peterson's pretty good, um, he can hit lefties okay. I think that's a better. That makes you stronger, you know. That makes you stronger. Like at late in a game, if you're looking at Jake, like like a Jake Cave or a Jock Peterson, you're in a much stronger position. That that means that means a lot. You know, it's a big difference between those between those two caliber of players, and so I think that could be the kind of outfield move that we're looking at here somebody like that a left-handed bat like jock peterson who can do some things who can play a corner outfield spot you can you know if if you have uh, christian pache in the game he can play center brandon marsh is in left if it's jock peterson and brandon marsh put marsh in center peterson in left and, and kind of mix and match that feels more like what the phillies are, are are all about right now given the rest of the lineup given the rest of the players that they have around them right now yeah i think yeah. i could get talking I mean, uh, to jock peterson that makes a lot of sense I'm trying I mean, to as far like as he's like, 
improving on Jake Cave isn't that hard. Oh yeah, you're right. Task to, to do. <laughs> I keep so forgetting. We're if just that's trying, where we're setting just the bar, trying to replace Jake Cave. <laughs> Then, yes, yeah. Jack Pe- We're not trying to find the left fielder of the future. We're not trying to find a left fielder who's going to win a silver slugger. We're just trying to find somebody who, when Jake Cave would come up, would hopefully do something other than ground out to second base. That is yeah. the goal. And, you know, when you when you recalibrate your expectations, then somebody like Jack Peterson sounds a lot more appealing. I mean, where are you guys on Adam Duvall? As far as uh, as far as filling that role, he's one of these tier five guys, and I, I had a list of seven guys I was comparing to each other who are all free agents who can play in the outfield and are down in like the levels we're talking about. And Duvall hits more fly balls than any of them, and more of his fly balls become home runs, and he also hits the most line drives most uh, most frequently. He slugged five thirty one in twenty twenty three. You know what his slugging percentage was from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty three? Five thirty. He's been putting up Ew. that number <laughs> mm. to slug for like four years. And, you know, he had a rough age 34 season. But, you know, last year he, he, he you know, he, he, he bounced back a bit. And he's, you know, he's another one of those guys. But, again, this is who I was looking at. It was a name I was seeing pop up a lot as far as people projecting who the Phillies would go after. And this is kind of what I was, what I was talking about. I mean, here's, here's another guy who's kind of like what the Phillies already have. Is, is that who we're looking for? I mean, Jack Peterson, I feel like you talked me into him because Duvall also had season-ending surgery on his wrist in 2022, and he's this dramatic pull hitter, so they'll know exactly how to play him. And also, get this, he strikes out a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A couple other things here. Um, What about Mike Trout? That's been, you know, people (laughs) (laughs) saying Mike Trout's name a little bit. It's probably not a serious discussion. It's mostly fan fantasy, but uh, what about a trade for Trout? Is it realistic? Should the Phillies pursue it? I'll just throw some some things at you here, and and you'd let me know what you think. Mike Trout, he's but he you know in a lot of cases still probably is one of the top five players in baseball um, when he's on the field. But you've got to be on the field in order to be one of the best players in baseball. Uh, since 2017, these are his games played per season: 114, 140, 134. The pandemic season. 53 so you throw that out 2021 36 games 2022 119 games 2023 82 games played half a season last year uh was worth uh 2.9 wins above replacement on a six win pace for the season which would be a kind of low for him uh normally in some of those early years he he was a 10 win player even in 140 games an eight win player in 134 games i mean Great player. No, no doubt about it. He turns 32 this year, has seven years remaining on his contract at $37 million per season. But add him to this team when he's on the field, if he can stay healthy, my goodness, it, it could be it could be a huge, a huge boon. And I don't know what the Angels are thinking. Like, if they lose Otani, why not trade Trout if somebody would be willing to take him? Because it's not – I don't think Trout is at the stage in his career now where you can't fathom a trade package for him. I think you could probably come up with some kind – some team could come up with some kind of trade package for Mike Trout that would make sense at this stage of his career, given all the games he's missed and everything else. But there's – other than just, like, sports talk radio fascination and fantasy world th- – Justin, there's no real world where Mike Trout gets traded, right? I mean, is it crazy to think that he could get moved and that Philadelphia could somehow be in the mix? I don't think it's that crazy that he would get traded. I guess what's throwing me off is that it's the Angels specifically, and his whole 
thing to this point was that he chose when the time came to stay there. Obviously, it feels like things have changed a great mm. deal since then. Um, you know, the well, they can't possibly let this continue did, in fact, continue. And Mike Trout did, in fact, start looking human uh, around 2021. Um, and yeah, that's a concern. Even being Mike Trout, suddenly it's like this guy who played in you know, 157, 159 games a season for, for a while. Yeah, he's, he's, he's 32 years old. He's experiencing the same thing lots of players experience as they age into and out of their primes. Um, it's still Mike Trout. Like, I don't want to sound like it's like, oh, this guy, here comes, here comes this cast off. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's tough not to uh, agree with your logic there. If, if Otani's on his way out, why not Trout? Like, you're not, you're not fixing this team. This team's not going to the playoffs without Otani. Uh, yeah. And they couldn't convince him to stay. They're not going to, you know, I can't imagine Trout thinks Anaheim is as good an idea as it seemed when he signed that extension. So that being said, again, I think the Angels would really overvalue, like ask for a lot uh, that, yeah. that the Phillies just, they just don't have. It's not, it's like a deal. I feel like Dave Dombrowski just wouldn't even like feel like making. He'd want to find out what the cost was, but then he'd be like, "I gotta put together this whole package," and like, nah, I don't know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. Do it. Let's just let's just go in another direction. So, no, I don't think it's super realistic that that um, the Phillies get heavily involved in any kind of Mike Trout deal. And remember, you say this a lot, and I think we all kind of understand this now, but it's important to make the make the difference or clarify the difference. Mike Trout has never explicitly, as a professional baseball player wanted to play for the Phillies. He no. wants to play for the Eagles. There, there's a That's huge right. difference yeah. there. And <laughs> as soon it. as you accept that, you understand there's no beacon calling him home just because he's from New Jersey. That's just not the case. Yeah, and Liz, I don't, I don't even care if he goes to Eagles games anymore. I really cared when he was an angel, but he thought, you know, like, oh, he hasn't, he's coming to an end of his no, contract. No. You know, we, come reached, up. we reached the peak of this when Harper got here and was like, yeah. I want to bring Mike Trout here. And we were yes. like, oh, Mike Trout's wearing a 76ers full uniform. This is crazy. And then when that didn't happen, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and then he signed to... his like lifetime contract with the Angels a week yes. later. Right. <laughs> and then you just you, you just put that to bed. Like, that's, that's over. Yeah. I would think, doesn't he have a, a no-trade clause? I can't imagine he doesn't. If he doesn't, he's sure got to he have 5 and 10. He definitely yes. has 5 and yeah. 10 yeah. rights at this point. Yeah. And so he can't go anywhere he doesn't want to. Right. Uh, and he voluntarily decided to stay. Now, granted, Otani since then has come and gone. So his feelings may be different. But I, I always feel like we need to consider... And we don't do that enough. What a player might actually want out of their own career. And a lot of them don't talk about it. Like some of them, like Bryce Harper, is very loud. And like, say, I want to win a World Series. This is what I want. But some guys are not like that. Some guys just, some guys, baseball is their job. They love it. They play it. They live it. But in the end, they want to go home. I've said this before. They want to go home to their families and live their lives and Mike Trout might just be one of those guys. He's got all the money he'll ever need. He can fly cross country to see the Eagles anytime. You know, he's got everything. And if he loves living there, which it seems like he does, like he's very, like he's very involved in the surrounding community. He's a huge part of, you know, what the Angels do charitably. I, I, I don't, I don't see him. I don't see him going anywhere. And I also, despite 
him being a great baseball player who's somehow only 32, it really feels like he's been in the league for 20 years. Um, I I don't know how many how many teams would line up for a 32-year-old Trout who hasn't played a full season in years. Yeah, and that's my main concern is is how how many games would you would you have him for, especially as he's getting older? How, how many games would you would he be available for for you? He'd be great while he's in there, but if he's not in the lineup, then you've got a problem. And the, luckily, this you know the Phillies would already have a lot of quality hitters and quality you know a quality offense without Mike Trout in there. And trying to imagine a healthy Mike Trout in this Phillies lineup is is why people get excited about the idea. But it's the idea is is more exciting than the idea is realistic. And so I agree. The, I just you know it's one idea of the things six years ago. Is exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, is it's not exciting. as exciting now. It really isn't as exciting now. People getting worked up over Mike Trout. It's not. You don't get as breathless thinking about it at this point. So we've talked about Juan Soto. We've talked about Mike Trout. Let's throw Shohei Otani on the fire here too. Let's just let's just do it. And I got you know pretty well ratioed on on X Twitter today, um, talking about uh, how Otani would fit on this team with. Kyle Schwarber here because Otani is not going to pitch next year. He's also not going to play a position. Any team that signs Otani is signing him to be strictly solely their designated hitter. The Phillies have one of those guys in Kyle Schwarber who, if you're just looking at production on the field, yes, in a, in a, in a perfect world where, you know, obviously Otani is going to make over $500 million, maybe $600 million or whatever he's going to make. It's hard to fathom what kind of money Otani is going to make. Um, swapping him out on the field for Kyle Schwarber makes, makes all the sense in the world. You do it in a heartbeat and all that. But so much of the Phillies were built on vibes and this clubhouse and the relationship these players had. And how many, how many times did we see this year articles written about how the, the, the driving force of this team and the family unit that this team is is driven by Kyle Schwarber, how he's the guy that relates the bench guys to the other stars and, and just is that glue that goes back and forth between all of them totally transformed this lineup from a team that couldn't, from a team that couldn't get to the playoffs to a team that has been there two years in a row. Now, he can't will everyone to not swing at pitches 10 feet off the plate in a pressure situation in games six and seven of a playoff series, but the culture that he's brought in and the importance that he plays in the clubhouse I think people just were like, yeah, yeah, you figure that out. You know, you just, you know, Otani, Otani over Schwarber any day of the week. It's, it's not that easy for me. It's not that, I, and I'm not an emotional guy. Like I, when, when Reese Hoskins, you know, situation came up here, I thought to myself, you know, he's gone. He's, he's, he's going to go. There's no fit for him here. There's, there's nowhere for him to play. It doesn't make any sense. It's best for the team for Reese to move on someplace else. And, and that's what's going to happen with, with Kyle Schwarber. It feels like they, I don't think it's as simple as just taking Kyle Schwarber out of DH, finding someplace else for him to play, whether it's whether it's playing him in left field every every day for the next two years, which would be a sight, or trading him someplace. And I don't I don't remember if Kyle Schwarber has a, a, a no trade clause on his contract or not either. But moving him someplace else so that you could put Otani in here, you're, you're taking something pretty valuable away from the team in order to bring in Otani, who is, of course, one of the greatest baseball players, maybe the greatest, most talented baseball player who's ever lived. So taking all those things into account and knowing full well the Phillies are not signing Shohei Otani to a free agent contract like this, 
what is your Justin? What is your thought on on Otani? On would would there be a fit on this team for him? Even if the Phillies wanted to go sign him, would they move Kyle Schwarber for Otani if they wanted him? Well, I think what a lot of people got caught up on when you were making this argument is that really they just simplify it down to wow, you think Kyle Schwarber is better than Shohei Otani? That's dumb, (laughs) and that's not really the debate. The debate is do you do you risk? Because what you're saying is accurate. This team's vibes, clubhouse culture has become a very big part of their identity and a very big strength that this team has had. It was the only consistent thing about them all season long was that the vibes stayed intact. And that was part of why when it felt like they had nothing else was going right, at least, you know, at least they they seemed to they seemed to be in an okay mental place and, and were picking each other up. Uh, and that's great. And you're like, and I think you're right that especially with Hoskins uh, on his way out, Schwarber is an even bigger part of that um, in the locker room. So you can't discount that entirely. As as crazy as it's, you really can't discount that. The question is then, is bringing in the best baseball player on the planet worth potentially damaging one of your team's biggest strengths? And I gotta tell you, if that's what the if that if that's what the Phillies were trying to figure out, it's still tough to say no. <laughs> so like, yeah, if that was the is, one thing <laughs> keeping them back from getting Shohei Otani, it would be like, all right, well, who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll you. throw that entire that whole soliloquy out the window. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, it's it's Otani, unfortunately. And I say that as a big, I like Kyle Schwarber a lot. And I like that this team has the vibes that it has. And I don't think Otani would necessarily like screw him up or anything. Yeah, no, I don't mean it like that either. You're right. I I don't think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But but Schwarber is he plays the role he plays. And I think what you're saying is ideally, you know, you want to have Otani and Schwarber. But I don't think they got the real estate for that. This whole uh, Hoskins situation developed because they partially because they don't want Schwarber in the outfield. They don't want him playing a position. They already have a DH. So if it's for swapping one guy out for the other, then yeah, obviously you you do that pretty much every time. But I'm with you. I think there's a zero percent chance the Phillies are even playing in these waters. So thankfully it's not something we got to worry about. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's tough. It's you can't say no to Shohei Otani right now. That'd be like saying no to a Mike Trout deal six seven years ago. You know. That being said, I still think they're gonna they're gonna pitch him. It's like if he's taking pitches, I think they're gonna. They, I think meeting with not meeting with him would be a mistake. Am yeah. I oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're, when you said they're, they're gonna pitch him, not that they're gonna make. They're not gonna pitch him, but like. Yeah, not they're not gonna like actually. That, they're gonna make a throw, pitch to him. Baseballs. Yeah, I got you. Yes, that's what they're I mean. They're gonna show him a PowerPoint that leads with Bryce Harper's Instagram post that was like, "I remember the first time I saw the Liberty Bell," and it'll be a dramatic reading, and they'll be like, "Come to Philadelphia." Yeah. But uh, I do think the Phillies are their own best marketing team like they people watch the philly players watch the phillies and they're like boy that looks like a good time i would like to join that so yeah you're right i think they are expected to what i read was show him some love and that's yeah that's totally reasonable that being said i still think there's a zero percent chance he comes to philadelphia oh yeah completely but i was just saying i if he ends up expressing interest in signing with the phillies over other teams Mm-hmm. I'm completely fascinated as to see where it's going to go because it's there is a non-zero chance of that happening. Like just as you guys said, it's a fun place to play, and Otani has been stuck on the Angels 
<laughs> He's been stuck on the Angels, which they've got some great players, but it can't have been a fun place to be all, you know, as much as Philly. No, Anthony Rendon made that perfectly, uh, perfectly impossible uh, <laughs> with his presence oh, and, and the or and lack the thereof. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, exactly. <laughs> what a loser. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like it's probably going to be, you know, the, the, the teams you'd think it would be. Those some of the West Coast teams like the Giants or the Dodgers. I know the rumors are that he doesn't care as much about location, um, which is as close is, to a link to the Phillies that we've gotten from yeah. him. Right. That, right. Like so far. The, the fact that you got you shared that link to the story that was like uh, Shohei Otani rumors. Oh, he'd be very intrigued to play for the Braves. I mean, you can hear like we can do this one city at a time. Ask him, like, oh, what do you think about this city? And he'll give a quote like that, which really says nothing. I would be intrigued. That means he's not intrigued now. Like, you know, this is a nothing statement. Yes. So, but you can still hear the, oh, my God. You know, the klaxon's going off. Like, oh, the Braves are going to sign Joey Otani. Holy crap. Like, that's, yeah. We got to sign Shoei so he doesn't go to Atlanta. (laughs) And I swear, when I saw that discourse kind of surfacing today where it was like, Phillies, Otani, I was like, oh, it was only a matter of time. They didn't even want to wait, and I don't blame, you know, people, not wanting to wait until there was, like, an actual kind of, like, oh, Shohei Otani said he has uh, heard of Philadelphia before, and everyone's like, oh, my God, we're so in, inside track, yes, all right. (laughs) He would consider Uh, eating a (laughs) cheesesteak. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that, that, that conversation was always going to be had, and I, I, you know, I, I fully expect it to get more hysterical if... Philadelphia and Shohei Otani are mentioned in the same sentence by any kind of news outlet. Well, friends, this is what we are reduced to in (laughs) November as we await real things to happen. Um, I'll I'll finish up here with one final John. John Morosi has been busy. I don't know what's going on uh, in in John's world right now, but this really is. He is on fire Mm -hmm. here tonight as we're, as we are recording this. He, uh, according to sources, I don't know if that's somebody's last name or just other people he's spoken <laughs> to. Uh, Major League Baseball trade talks picking up across the industry before Tuesday's 6 p.m. Eastern time deadline to set reserve limits for the Rule 5 draft. So basically everybody's got to get their 40-man rosters in place, and then anybody not on the 40-man roster is eligible for the Rule 5 draft. He says clubs are pursuing trades to either clear space on the 40-man roster to protect some eligible prospects or trade the prospects they won't protect. And so um, this is one of those things where the Phillies have have done better in recent years trying to find some of these prospects that teams like the Orioles or the Rays or some 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 teams that just ha- are teeming with prospects that they can't possibly protect going after and and grabbing somebody who may have some value from a roster, uh, whether it's on the big league roster from the 40 men or whether it's uh, one of these prospects that is just, they just don't have room for, you know, that's where you can go out and you can get somebody young, maybe a a bullpen arm who can, who can do something special for you. As I know, it's not exactly how they got to Jose Alvarado, but that's a similar type of move. Like the Phillies, when they traded for Jose Alvarado, guy we had never heard of, but you know Tampa had lost faith in him and just couldn't protect him, and so uh, traded him away to the Phillies. And I don't think it was a pre-Rule 5 trade. Maybe it was. I don't remember. But those are the kinds of deals that could be happening now over the next little while. And I would expect the Phillies to at least be active in some of those talks because those, those are the kinds of trades that GMs actually really enjoy making. 
You know, it's, I can see Dombrowski like and and Sam Fold and the rest of the front office like scouring forty man rosters and and prospect lists and you know their scouts notes and trying to find you know the you know are the Rays going to protect this kid? Can we go out and get him? What can we trade him for? That's the kind of stuff that those guys have a lot of fun uh, doing. So. That's something to keep an eye on here over these next couple of days as well. Uh, final thoughts, uh, Justin. Final thoughts from you, buddy. How's this for off-season content? Uh, you familiar with the name Oliver Dunn? I uh, no. Well, he's a Phillies prospect. He's 26 years old. He plays second base. He was just uh, selected Breakout Player of the Year. He's uh, he was a Rule Five pick in 2022. They got him from the Yankees. He had uh, 148 weighted runs created plus during the regular season for for Redding. Uh, and then, yeah, in the Arizona Fall League, he played three different positions. Uh, he was went 12 for 12 in stolen base attempts. And he was second in triples, fourth in OPS, and fifth in average in the league. So, you know, that's what the yeah. AFL is good for. It's getting to know yeah. prospects you didn't know before. And, yeah, here's, here's one guy in the Philly system who really made a name for himself out there in the AFL as they shut down the league for another season. So yeah, I thought just, just thought that was cool. Wanted to make sure it got mentioned. Yeah, very good. And it's always, you know, these, this team, we keep talking about free agents and trades. It certainly is always better when you can bring some guys up through the minor league system and have them become established star, uh, players and maybe even stars one day, who knows? I don't know if I would go so far as to call Bryson Stott a star, but he's maybe on his way. there, pretty close. Uh, and, uh, you know, be cool to see them get another couple of guys like that. Liz, final thoughts. Uh, just a little word about uh, Liberty Media, the company that owns the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Liberty Media is the uh, race organizer for the Las Vegas Grand Prix, uh, the most expensive Grand Prix on the entire 24 race calendar. Uh, they are far from sold out. Hotel rates are exorbitant. Ticket prices have been slashed some 60% uh, ahead of the Saturday night rates. Uh, and Liberty Media is looking like crap. Uh, so just want to take some moments to appreciate how much they suck and that they're not even really that good at baseball either. So Liberty Media, let's all laugh at them. <laughs> Well, I'd be happy to laugh at Liberty Media. That sounds that sounds like a good time to me. And um, yeah, we'll be keeping an ear out for any more any more rumors and news and whatnot. And I promise I will try not to vomit rumors and news on people's timelines over these next few weeks. I will try to restrain myself. I, I will try to step away from the computer during during these during these tumultuous times <laughs> that we're that we're living in in, in the baseball world, and um, not subject everyone else to my psychosis uh, moving forward here. But <laughs> it's um, your Twitter feed. Got, you can do three, whatever you want with it. We've got three hitting seasons a week. We got a feed here, friends. So this is, uh, this, this is what's coming your way uh, until some real stuff starts to happen. So, that's going to do it for this particular version of Hit and Season. Thank you, Justin and Liz, for, for joining me again. And folks, want to send you over to our Hit and Season Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Hit and Season is where you find some of our bonus content there. Make sure you're reading all of Liz Rocher's fine work at Yahoo Sports and Justin Poo's great stuff at Baseball Prospectus as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season.